0: welcome to the aesthetic doctor podcast we don't shy away and keep secrets here we empower you with education telling you the truth about all things aesthetic medicine while encouraging you to be the best version of yourself it's time to look great and
1: feel good doing it this is your host mom speaker and board certified physician dr judith forger Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 35 of the Aesthetic Doctor podcast. Today's episode is all about pregnancy and postpartum skin and skin care. I am joined today by the one and only Kara Drusher, who is also known as the Hormonal Mama. She's a certified integrative wellness and holistic health coach. She's a licensed massage therapist. She's a licensed esthetician, and she specializes in fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum skincare and body work. Join us as we talk about all the skin changes that come with pregnancy, all the hormonal changes, all the postpartum changes, and everything in between. Please join me in welcoming Kara Drescher. Well, Kara, I'm so excited to have you here today because when I look at my patient population, I feel like the pregnancy and the postpartum state are really one of those periods in life where women struggle um, with a lot of things, right? I mean, of course, most of us are overjoyed that we're pregnant, but there's a lot of changes that are in our body, our, you know, hormones kind of affect how we react and process our emotions. And then of course, seeing that you and I are both in the field of aesthetics and skincare, um, you know, we are going to focus in on skincare and skin changes during the both pregnancy and postpartum period. So, you know, why don't you just kind of first tell us, like, what kind of skin changes happen most commonly? Maybe we'll start with pregnancy. Yeah, oh, I
0: think that's a great place to start. And you're so right. I mean, there's so many changes that happen in your body during pregnancy. And, you know, the most common ones, yes, you're dealing with the emotional ups and downs that come with this influx of hormones that go up and down and they're all over the place. But the thing that's most visible are the skin changes, right? There's so many things that happen. To your skin during pregnancy. And there are, you know, there are things that are maybe more common than other things, but I'd say that the most common sort of group of things are acne, right? This extreme increase in oil production that you might not be used to. But the other thing that people really frequently deal with is melasma, which during pregnancy, we often call it cloasma, but I'm just going to refer to it as melasma because that's how most people. Um, know about it. Melasma is this really, I'm going to call it frustrating skin issue where you get this darkening of the skin. And it's not like your typical like sunspots where you, you know, are getting these dark spots here and there. With melasma, it's really, you know, often called the Uh, mask of pregnancy or the pregnancy mask because it's patches it's bigger patches of darkened skin that really cover you know your forehead and the cheeks the chin and above the lip and it's just this all over darkening of the skin and i'd say that might be the most common thing that i see or hear about with um Pregnancy, skin issues, again, you know, I know I mentioned acne and oil, um, excessive oil production, I should say, which does happen. It happens to a lot of women. And there are plenty of women who don't deal with melasma, but it is very common. It is very related to hormones. Even the opposite issue, dry skin. All of these things are directly related to all of these hormone fluctuations, The, the hormone roller coaster, as I like to call it that you unfortunately get on when you're pregnant and it changes in each trimester there are different things that happen with your hormones that cause all of these annoying skin things like i said the darkening with the melasma the oil production that there's sort of two parts with the oil production right there's the people who have the excessive oil production and get the acne and then there are the people who get the excessive oil production without the acne and in their case that's the Glow. that's the happy skin change because not all skin changes during pregnancy are horrible, right? Some of them aren't that bad. You get that glow, but again, not everybody has that glow. I didn't have that glow when I was pregnant. I didn't have acne either. And I didn't have melasma. I just had weird red splotches that would come and go all over my skin. Also related to hormones which we can talk about because I think it's really important to understand all these things that are happening to your skin. There's a reason for it, right? There are reasons, hormones. So
1: I'd like to dive in and talk
0: about hormones for a minute, if that's okay.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I I was going to say like the the one word answer that you're going to expand on is like, why is skin so complicated during Mm -hmm. pregnancy and postpartum? The one word answer is hormones. So please, like you already anticipated my next question, please tell us all about the hormonal changes that are happening that are affecting, especially your skin.
0: Yes. So I get really passionate and excited about this because hormones are an essential part of life, right? Everyone So often we think about hormones and people just focus on the sex hormones, the reproductive hormones, and that's what I'm going to focus on. But I just need to state our body functions because of hormones, right? There's the hormones do a million things, but our focus here are sex hormones, right? And we're talking pregnancy. We talk about three main hormones, HCG, which people know as the pregnancy hormone there's progesterone and there's estrogen. Now, I wanna sort of cut into that for a second and emphasize estrogen and progesterone are part of the menstrual cycle, right? These hormones are part of your life. They are part of every time you have a period, they're part of that cycle.
1: And HCG. also birth control, right? So oh, if yeah. somebody is on any birth control prior to being pregnant, mm-hmm. a lot of them have estrogen and progesterone either directly or their derivatives or precursors.
0: Absolutely, and and that has a huge effect on skin as well. Some positive, some not. Just depends. Um, but the HCG and that one I'm gonna you know talk about for a minute is the one hormone that is not present before pregnancy. This is a hormone that begins to be produced by the placenta once you conceive. Once there is a baby growing, all of a sudden HCG is being um, produced by the placenta. Its job is basically to maintain this pregnancy in the beginning. And I say that because this increase in HCG occurs during the first 12 weeks of pregnancy, and then it drops off (laughs) dramatically. Now, a lot of the time people hear HCG and they think about, and all they really focus on when they hear um, HCG is that, oh, that's probably the hormone that makes everybody have morning sickness, which may or may not be true, but, but it has an impact on skin, big time. If you look at a chart, right? And most charts will show you that HCG production begins fairly early within those first few weeks of pregnancy, and it's this steep increase. You're talking about a roller coaster. That's what it looks like on a chart. It goes way up and it's like, whoa, that's a spike, okay? And that hormone can cause a number of things. It can cause acne or that glow that we talked about, right? So these two things, and I say it like that because it's increasing the oil production and multiple hormones do this, but HCG is sort of that first one in the beginning that spikes up. And then all of a sudden your skin's like, Whoa, why am I an oil slick? Why can I not do, you know, touch my face without my fingers flying off? That is what HCG is responsible for in terms of skin. It's increasing this oil production. It is rapidly doing it because it's spiking so high so fast. And so with the oil production, you can get acne, you can get breakouts, you can get clogged pores, and your skin can just ultimately freak out on you. But like I mentioned before, there's that other side of it where maybe you don't get the acne in the breakouts and you just have this excess oil. You might just have a shine that you don't like so much because, you know, again, you look like an oil slick, but you don't necessarily have the acne in the breakouts. Or it's just excess, you know, oil production that's making your skin look nice. And everyone's telling you, oh, you have this beautiful glow. You might look in the mirror and say, well, it doesn't look like a glow. Maybe you think I'm glowing because I'm shiny, but... Again, that's just HCG, but then you have the two other pregnancy hormones. Yeah, And so
1: HGC, and I'm just going to interrupt for a moment yeah, please. Uh, for those um, sort of lay listeners, right? HGC, HGC, human chorionic gonadotropin, that is also the hormone that gets measured through the pregnancy mm-hmm. test. So when you yep. guys have heard for that, and I just want to kind of tie this in is just like um, Kara said, it starts about, you know, 11 to 14 days after that's when it's detectable. So you can have a positive pregnancy test and it really doubles every sort of two to three days, which is yeah. also what, you know, if you've had to go for repeated HCG tests at your doctor's office, that is one of the reasons they measure the viability of pregnancy, because just like Kara says, it spikes. I mean, it doubles like every two to three days. So it rapidly goes from like zero and it is absolute zero if you're not pregnant to like the hundreds of thousands. So um, just to kind of tie in exactly what Kara said, that hormone that really for the skin produces so much acne and glow and oil, it is really, if you've heard it before, that is exactly the same hormone that your pregnancy test measures. Yeah. I'm going to give it back to you in terms of sort of um, the progesterone and the estrogen on the skin.
0: I just want to say, I'm really glad you said that because that's exactly what happens. HCG rapid when I was pregnant. Now I was pregnant with triplets, but it went from zero to 3,000, 3,200 in just a few days. That's the thing. It produces that rapidly. And that's why that intense oil production is so overwhelming because it's, Rapidly, per, um, replicating right, and it goes into the
1: hundreds of thousands. Oh yeah, from oh zero. yeah, oh it, it doesn't just go to go just three thousand; it right. goes to like 190,000, 200,000. I mean, it's All just way. like, like you Massive. said, it's a rapid spike. Huge, yes, it's
0: huge. Here's the interesting thing where it ties into the progesterone. Once that HCG has sort of spiked at the top. It then begins to dive back down because then the progesterone takes over the responsibilities that the HCG that was handling. And that happens at about the end of the first trimester, correct? Right. Exactly. So let's talk about progesterone now, right? Progesterone- so We're moving
1: into the second trimester, people. Yes. We've yes. made it through the first trimester. You did it. You've kind of had that HCG spike. Hopefully by now, you know, you've know, you kind of gone from the embryo to the fetus state. We've made all the little organs Organs in the little baby's body. Yes. We've um, kind of stabilized the pregnancy. It's implanted. You've gone through your period of acne and maybe morning sickness. You have that beautiful glow. Now, HDC in the second trimester starts decreasing, and progesterone, AKA the second trimester, the happy trimester, starts yes. right for most people.
0: Yes. At least it did for me. Um, so so now you're talking progesterone and estrogen, which are taking over, handling all the stuff, everything that your body or that the placenta was doing with the HCG. So progesterone and estrogen, I kind of put them neck and neck in terms of importance and what they do, because they work together. Um, with progesterone, so here's kind of, because like I said, they work together and I'll talk about that in a second, especially how they affect the skin progesterone is another um, hormone that you have prior to pregnancy, right? It occurs, it's produced by your ovaries when it is produced in these extremely high amounts, right? Because in pregnancy, everything is produced in these extremely high amounts because it's no longer just hormones for your body. It's hormones now supporting another body. So you have these extremely high levels. And some of the things that progesterone can do when it's in these extremely high amounts are very similar to HCG. It can cause this excessive oil production and this huge oil production again can cause these acne breakouts and these clogged pores. It's very similar concept. Now, at this point, that glow that they talk about, that we were talking about, I should say, has sort of faded. It's not necessarily still a glow. You might still have it, but usually it's in that first trimester that people talk about it. But progesterone is still doing this oil production thing, right? It's still like, ah, oil, 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 keep producing that oil. Let's get it out there. And then you get the shiny skin, the breakouts, all of these things. But what's happening at the same time is the estrogen is also being released in extremely high amounts. But estrogen and progesterone are not the same. They're different hormones. They do different things. They do some similar things. They both are supporting pregnancy. They're both helping the uterus to maintain that thick lining. They're doing these similar things. But on the skin, their are affected completely different. <laughs> so with estrogen, what is happening is, and, and this sort of looks at the whole body for a second to understand the skin. This increase in, in um, estrogen is causing the mucous membranes throughout the body to swell. Right, this swelling. Now, often we think of swelling, we're talking about, oh, feet and ankle swelling and that face swelling, but it's your whole body, right? Your whole body, everything is increasing to support this baby. So, this swelling, when we talk about the face and the membranes within the face, you are getting this effect of where the blood flow, right, to the face is excessive. (laughs) And this can sort of cause some discomfort, right? You get the redness and and I experienced this. You get the splotchy, itchy skin. For me, when I was pregnant, I had splotchy red itchiness around my nostrils and my whole face was a little swollen, but it was just these splotches. Now I'm going to talk about melasma in a second. This isn't melasma, right? This red splotchy stuff is not the same as melasma. It is areas that are sort of coming and going with the red, itchy, splotchy, discomfort, just really frustrating, uncomfortable stuff. Melasma, this is where I think is the most interesting thing, is caused essentially by both progesterone and estrogen working together, okay? So they're working together. Estrogen has a direct effect on melanocytes, which are the um, skin cells that produce um, melanin. But what happens when you bring these two hormones together and they work together is you start getting the darker areas, patches, right? We always call them patches because they're not little spots. It's not just a little red spot like I was talking about. These are bigger areas. It's a broader area of darkness in the skin or
1: darkening, I should say. When I have patients describe it, sometimes they say like my face almost looks dirty. Yes. Like somebody rubbed dirt on my face. And I think that's yes. what bothers them the most is yes. that they're like my skin looks dirty. And especially, you know, you're in Pennsylvania. I'm in North Carolina. So the heat and the humidity in North Carolina is definitely something in the summer. So, in North mm-hmm. Carolina, I feel like people are generally fairly affected by melasma when they're susceptible to it, anyways. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, in pregnancy, I completely agree that. I mean, first of all, I thought it was fascinating what you just said about estrogen and progesterone, but melasma mm-hmm. and acne, I agree, those are the ones clinically that you know, we hear about. And then on top of that, you know, a lot of people, let's say that struggled maybe with hyperpigmentation and acne prior Mm -hmm. to pregnancy. There's that added thing that some of the medicines we were maybe using to help keep it under control. And I'm saying that with air quotation marks, mm-hmm. you know, have not been studied or be found safe for pregnancy. So on right. top of that, let's say if you're dealing with acne and people are suddenly telling you to not do your salicylic acid, to not do your retinol to or your retin-A, to, you know, all the things that you were maybe using before. So I think that kind of adds in the same with oh, yeah. melasma, you know, suddenly, of course, we don't want to use hydroquinone and... You know, so I, I suffer from rosacea and it, now I probably, I never knew which hormone it was, but now I probably think it's the estrogen, Mm -hmm. but my rosacea was like out of control while I was pregnant.
0: I mean, and it makes sense. It makes so much sense. And what you were just saying, it's so funny. I was just talking about this last week about all of these ingredients that help with acne, help with melasma, but Hey, look, you're pregnant. You can't use those. And it's frustrating because it feels like, well, now I'm stuck, but there are solutions. There are products that you can use that are safe. You know, you mentioned hydroquinone, you mentioned the retinol, you know, all of those things that some of, you know, there are other things out there that are considered unsafe for pregnancy or not studied enough to know. And I totally, I'm just glad you mentioned it because I was literally just talking about this. And It's important to understand that, yes, some of these stronger products or harsher products, for lack of a better word, can't be used during pregnancy.
1: And that's okay, because there are other things you can do to help. And we're just really talking always about a risk benefit thing, right? right? Like most of us will have, I mean, the average person has like two or three, maybe even now less pregnancies. And we obviously want to make sure that that tiny little human being to be, Mm grows in the most amazing way. And so, you know, for us, that means nine months of, you know, maybe not doing the Botox, the fillers, the hydroquinone, the retin-A and all that stuff. But um, if you're okay with that, like, I know we switch a lot of, um, to some of the vitamin C's for hyperpigmentation Um, you know, there's certain like acids that are safe after the first trimester, like you can even do like some lactic acid, like a like oh, yeah. and all of that stuff. Seeing that you are really a skincare expert on pregnancy, what are some of the things that you recommend to your clients and patients for both acne and melasma that are safe during pregnancy? So there's really, you know, there's a whole list.
0: I actually have my list in front of me that I'm, I'm, I'm looking for right now, just so I can, you know, keep myself on track here. Um, but yeah, there, there are plenty of ingredients that you can use. Now, the, the ones, the main ones that you want to stay away from are really the big ones you said. The hydroquinone, you know, all vitamin A derivatives, like, you know, retinols, you know, all of those things are really important um, to stay away from. But there are some that are safe vitamin C. That's like the first thing on my list is vitamin C. It's totally safe. That one is okay. Any derivatives of vitamin C are safe. There's a reason. Um, Green and white tea extracts are actually ingredients that we use. The product line I use with my skincare clients, that's one of the main things because they focus on melasma, but they focus on safety for pregnancy and breastfeeding. So green and white tea extracts are safe. Um, Beta carotene, Azelaic acid is one of those that's sort of like iffy, right? That yeah. That's more on the considered safer, but it's a benefit versus risk type of thing. So for example, the skincare company that I work with, they don't use azelaic acid. They don't use any acids in their pregnancy and breastfeeding safe products, but other companies will in much lower amounts. And it all kind of boils down to benefit versus risk, talk about it with your doctor, double check, do your research, make sure you're understanding what you're putting on your skin. Um, and then the same thing, the, other, the the last one I have on my list is kojic acid. It's the same kind of thing. Oh, yes, absolutely. Right? Exactly. So, you know, there, there are options and a lot of it is just looking at your skin and saying, okay, what am I comfortable with? What are the risks here? But the big ones that we always say, stay away from hydroquinone, and, um, my brain just went blank Hydroquinone right. and retinol. Thank you. You know, those are the, the big ones that we say, no, but here are other options. My go-tos are always vitamin C is the number one. That's my yep. go-to. And I, you know, the green and white tea extracts I think are just fantastic. You know, it, they're not, they might not lighten your skin as much as you want, but they're still going to be effective. You're still going to get a benefit from them.
1: So. so obviously everybody has hormones and hormonal surges during pregnancy, um, you know, but how many patients or clients do you say really kind of complain of them being adverse or negative negative? and, you know, how long do they last? After, I mean, obviously melasma will probably last a little bit longer, but is this like, you know, going into the postpartum period? So maybe this is a good segue, yes. you know, um, how, wh- how, what, happens to the skin postpartum and what is the point that we kind of normalize end quote?
0: So, I mean, it kind of varies from person to person, right? Everybody's body is a little bit different anyway, even though all of these hormones are essentially doing the same thing for each person. The way our bodies process things is different from person to person. So I would say for most people, melasma, you know, once pregnancy is over, once the baby is out of your body and your hormones, now, again, in the postpartum period, you still have hormone fluctuations. They're different. At that point, it usually takes about, on average, I'm going to say about three months for that melasma to sort of fade away and disappear. Now, if you have a history of melasma throughout your life, it's going to be a little bit different. Probably won't be. It, it'll. It should still lighten a bit, but if it's a common or not common, a constant issue that you've had, then at that point, if you're not breastfeeding, you can go back to using these products. If you are breastfeeding, we still recommend not using them until you're done. um So that's one thing to say is it, it can take a good three months or so for some people. It's a lot quicker for some people. It's a bit longer. Um, With that being said, um, it's important though, like I mentioned, to note that these hormone levels are still fluctuating, even though yes, after pregnancy, the estrogen and the progesterone are going to drop, that drop is going to cause the opposite issues <laughs> so that's another thing to to kind of keep in mind is when you know for example when the estrogen drops right you had these high levels of estrogen causing the swelling and the itching and the redness and the discomfort but when they drop you kind of get this opposite problem where your skin starts getting dry the elasticity might start kind of like, ooh, my skin is really not snapping back, if you will. Um, you get thinning skin, wrinkles might be more noticeable, stuff like that can happen. Again, this doesn't happen to everyone. It's all your skin and how well you're taking care of your skin.
1: And then you're sleep deprived on top of it. Let's be right. real. It helps like, nothing. <laughs> you know, at that one month mark, like after, unless you have like a unicorn baby or a night nanny, <laughs> Um, I feel like, like I felt probably my least attractive Uh (laughs) at about the one month mark because you're still not back to normal. I mean, yes, you love your role as a mom. You love your baby, but you're so tired. You know, oh. that like, I feel like that sleep deprived, nobody looks good. I mean, maybe you look good <laughs> to everybody else, but I definitely did not no. feel like I was showing up as my best self. Yes, as a mom, I was, but as an individual, <laughs> I certainly I, did not.
0: I'm really glad you said that because that is a huge factor in this, you know, that sleep deprivation affects your skin, right? Some, something that I talk about all the time, especially with skin is sleep one of the most important things your body does is sleep. Your body repairs itself when you sleep. So if you're not getting enough sleep in general, your skin can't repair itself. Your skin's not going to be, be vibrant. It's going to be dull. It's going to look the, for lack of a better word or sound. And it's the same thing when you've had your baby and you are that sleep deprived. I know I had two babies that I was trying, you know, I had twins. So I'm trying to like function. And we're all a mess at that point. That one month mark is so exact. I mean, you're so right. And that has a huge impact on all of these other things that are happening to your body and your skin anyway, from the hormones, from the emotions, the emotions from the hormones, and then the emotions of, oh, I'm a new mom and I'm trying to navigate that and handle it and sleep. When's that going to happen? And I have to eat too. I mean, it's impossible. It is very, very, very difficult. So yes, you have the drops in the hormones and you have the drop in sleep and they kind of work together to create this nightmare for your skin. You know, I'm just really, really glad you said that because it is a super important part of it that people don't realize sleep affects your skin.
1: And it's normal, right? Like I Mm -hmm. think one of the other things I really want to do is, you know, we're all about, Body to pit, body positivity and all of that stuff. But at, at that other time, I really want to kind of humanize the experience that we all have, right? Yes. And I think there's this like guilt that sometimes comes in. Like, for example, you know, you do a lot with infertility, like, oh wow, you know, I tried so hard to get pregnant, and now yet I kind of don't love how all of my body looks and feels, like, right. And the same as like I'm so happy about the fact that I have this baby and that I'm a mom, but there's this part of me that like I've kind of lost and I feel exhausted and I'm crying and my skin looks terrible and I haven't gotten out of sweatpants in a month. Right. Like, so I think some <laughs> yep. of that is also to sort of like humanize the experience, right? We got you. We are your tribe of women. We understand like yes. this is normal, right? Right. When you see like a Megan or any of the celebrities stepping out to an award ceremony, two weeks postpartum, like in their little tiny outfits, like realize that that is not a normal, like average human experience, right? That is them probably pretending a lot. That is them having 24 hour staff that is them, you know, doing all these things. I mean, don't tell me for a second that Kate wanted three days or one day postpartum, like post for pictures dolled up. Like, absolutely. Gosh, I'm so glad you said that.
0: And that's, that's exactly right. This is a journey that is not what is portrayed in the media, whether that's, reality in terms of like you're saying kate and megan and all these celebrities going out and doing their thing okay or even in the movies you know even in the movies and on tv you see this nonsense and it's like wait this isn't real what's real is the fact that your body has gone through something beautiful and traumatic. And and that includes the infertility piece, like you mentioned, and also not including the infertility piece. You don't have to have gone through that trauma to have gone through your own trauma. Pregnancy is hard. You could have the easiest, most beautiful pregnancy in the world. I literally just said this about an hour ago. You have the most beautiful, easiest pregnancy in the world. It's still traumatic because your body has gone through something massive and so many changes have occurred again. A lot of that's due to these hormones that we're talking about, but a lot of it is the normal body changes. There was a person or persons, in my case, living inside you. That's a big deal. That's a big, huge, massive change. And then that baby was born. That's a huge, massive change too. You just went through nine months or if you had a preemie less than that of people or person living in you and now you don't. And that's a huge adjustment and change as well plus all this other stuff physiologically happening, and then emotionally happening, there's huge changes happening. It's not typical to, quote, bounce back, right? It's just not. And and so I'm really glad that you highlighted that, because I think that is a huge piece to all of this, is recognizing that it takes
1: time. And- And yes- I want, you know, you guys' voice inside of your head to be the kindest voice there's out there, right? So if you could just think about your best friend and your favorite aunt and the grandma that you loved, like Mm -hmm. taking care of you and telling you that you just did something wonderful and magical and hard and to just tell you, I got you. you, Like sometimes we have to be that voice for us, right? And so I really would love for everybody to just take a moment and like blanket themselves in that same love and also blanket the women around them in that same love because I think and I don't want to get on this tangent but I do think that especially American society has this unrealistic expectation like you use the word bounce back Mm -hmm. that it's like a you had a baby and now tomorrow we're going to go back to work and we're you know going to do all these things like you didn't have a baby yep And you had a baby and not only did your life get affected, but your body got affected a lot too.
0: hundred percent. And that is, it's exactly right. I'm so glad we're talking about this because I think this is a part of all of this, including the skin stuff that people just don't realize because it's so drilled into our heads to quote bounce back, to get back to work, to get your life back, if you will. Well, your life is different now. And that's okay, you can still have this incredible life, you can still have the things you had before, but it's gonna be different. And that that I always feel like is the disconnect, is not realizing that you can still have those things, but it is going to be different now. And that's okay, it takes getting used to, it's hard, it's scary, it's a lot, <laughs> it's intense. And you're allowed to feel all of that stuff because it doesn't happen overnight, none of it does. It's all a crazy roller coaster.
1: I love that you're saying that. I really do. Like, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because you're absolutely right. You know, you're stepping into that next version of you, Mm -hmm. that version that's maybe a mom and whether that is a first time mom or suddenly a mom that's trying to manage three kids instead of two. Or a mom that's trying to figure out a schedule with a school-age kid and a newborn, whatever your situation is, it's the next version of you, right? Absolutely. So going back to skincare, um, you know, we're saying a couple of months and everything should start easing off. Um, Would you be so kind and just... um, Tell us about sort of how breastfeeding, I know not everybody chooses to breastfeed, um, but for those of us who do or did breastfeed, what are some of the changes that happen to the skin with breastfeeding?
0: Well, one of the big things to keep in mind is when you're breastfeeding, your body is still releasing hormones. Now, you know, we're, we're talking about the drop in the estrogen and the progesterone, but you've got two other hormones that are, well, it's more than two, but the two I want to focus on that are involved in breastfeeding are oxytocin and prolactin, right? Now, the really cool thing, I think it's cool because, you know, fascinated by this stuff. The really cool thing about oxytocin and um, prolactin is they kind of, they, they spike during the actual um, expression of milk during a breastfeeding session. There is this spike in oxytocin and prolactin and then they go back down when you're not actively nursing. And then it goes back up when you're nursing and then it goes back down. And the, the thing that I think is really great about prolactin and oxytocin is they don't have real negative properties or um, effects I should say on the skin. Their effects on the skin are actually positive. There's also not as much research on these two hormones as the other hormones when it comes to skin plenty of research on them. But in terms of skin, the research is kind of limited. Um, But what it does show, and this is, I think it's really interesting, is with oxytocin, what is happening is, or, or what they are seeing in the limited research is that they believe it can reduce inflammation and free radicals within the skin. But what's even cooler is it seems to be that this increase in oxytocin can be effective in the prevention of aging of the skin, right? The skin's not doing this, you know, rapid aging thing. They think, I just want to keep emphasizing that there's not as much research on skin and these hormones. Same with prolactin in terms of the lack of research. There's some, but this one's even more interesting. I think the the little research out there, or I should say there are some studies that actually show that there may be a connection with the increase in prolactin and the proliferation or growth, to put simplify it, of epithelial cells, which are skin cells. And that's really, really fascinating to me that they're seeing this in um, connection where the prolactin, which is the hormone that actually helps you secrete milk, that there is this this connection between the skin cell growth and prolactin. It's just not clear yet exactly what that is. So I think it's kind of neat to see how you have, you know, the issues with the progesterone and the estrogen dropping and causing all this, you know, craziness with your skin, the stress, oh my gosh, my skin's going nuts. And then these two other hormones are coming in and kind of doing nicer things. But and I say but because then there's cortisol <laughs> the stress hormone <laughs> oh how fun we love cortisol no we don't it's important to our body you don't want no cortisol it's part of how your body functions but part of the postpartum period is an increase in cortisol because it's a stressful time that's just part of it it is released in larger amounts during this period and unfortunately this hormone can affect your skin as well and and before i even get into it I just want to note cortisol is released when we are under stress at any time in our life. And most, maybe not all, but most people, when they're under stress, there are certain parts of their bodies where that stress presents itself. A lot of the time it's in the gut. For other people, it's neck and shoulders. For a lot of people, it's their skin, especially on their face, right? And cortisol is directly responsible for that. Cortisol, I'm just gonna say it, cortisol is a jerk. (laughs) It is, it causes so much. Rockets, if you will in your skin so some of these things um, that happen it does a lot of different things it's not just one that increased oil production just like progesterone right cortisol can do that cause you to break out cause you to have an oil slick cause you to have the clogged pores those are the main things when we talk about excess oil production is the acne and the clogged pores which are two different things really you know are kind of related but you got a couple of things going on there. It can also cause the body to lose its ability to retain water properly, which the direct result of that is dry and or dehydrated skin because dry skin and dehydrated skin they're related but they're different issues that cause these things. So if your body's not retaining water properly, your skin is your body, right? So your your skin is not able to keep that moisture and your skin can then end up getting dry, dehydrated. You get those wrinkles, all that annoying stuff. Um, Sort of related to the wrinkles, it can also, these high levels of cortisol can also um, lead to a breakdown of collagen in the skin. Which then leads to more issues with elasticity and your skin just not being plump and looking good. It's got the sagging skin. I'm sorry I'm pulling my face here, but you know, you have the sagging skin, those wrinkles become really prominent. And you just think, what is happening here? And cortisol can do a a, you know a million other annoying things. Um, but the last thing that I want to mention is inflammation. Increased cortisol can cause inflammation throughout the body, and the skin is not immune to that. You deal with, you know, inflammation in your skin, then you got the redness, then you might start getting things like rosacea, like you were talking about before. And that's, I mean, that's cortisol in, in a nutshell. And that is, unfortunately, it's part of the postpartum period. You know, I mean, luckily, yes, if you're breastfeeding, you have the, the benefits of the oxytocin and the prolactin, you know, oxytocin is released during childbirth. That's important to note. Um, and that's really when the postpartum period starts, as soon as that baby is out. Um, but, you know, it, it's just something to keep in mind that if you're breastfeeding, those levels go up and down during those sessions and can affect the skin. If you're not breastfeeding, that's okay, too. I mean, I, I had to formula feed and breastfeed my children, and I pumped. I mean, I, I did it all. Um and so my levels might not have been as high as someone who was maybe exclusively breastfeeding. And that's another component to keep in mind is if you're not exclusively breastfeeding, those levels of the um, prolactin and, and oxytocin might not be as high. If, or if you're you know doing shorter breastfeeding sessions or you're only breastfeeding a few days a week, this is all fine. I just always feel like I, I really want to emphasize that, but those levels might not be as high. The progesterone, the estrogen, the cortisol, those guys are the ones who are really going after your skin causing the problems
1: so yeah wow I feel like I just learned so much (laughs) and this is me as a medical doctor so thank (laughs) you so much for all of your expertise I feel like this is one of the episodes that people will be able to listen to like four times and still pick up facts so thank you for your absolute expertise I mean kind of in summary you know, what we see a lot during pregnancy are because the main hormones such as HGC, progesterone, estrogen, and also cortisol, um, you know, rise and fall during their times, they cause skin changes. Um, Main complaints or that we see clinically are acne, melasma, and other sort of inflammatory um, conditions. And, you know, the other thing, like we talk about the postpartum period, you know, a lot of people now use the word fourth trimester, Mm -hmm. which is again, such a kind word to really say, yes, you know, those first three months out are kind of still like considered a part of your pregnancy, which, you know, hormonally, um, sounds to be quite on point with how they fluctuate. Oh yeah. Um, so as I said, again, thank you so much. I would love it. And we're going to obviously, um, put this all in the show notes. If you would just tell our listeners, um, what you do and where they can find you. I assume a lot of the stuff you do probably is virtually now oh, as yeah. well. So um, just um, let our listeners know where they can find you.
0: So I uh, the best place to find me is my website. It's the mama.com. That's me. I'm the hormonal mama. Um, I'm on all the the socials as the hormonal mama or Kara Dresher or Kara B. Dresher is usually where I am. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I do a lot of work in person. I also do a lot of virtual consultations. I can help with skincare through the computer, believe it or not. I can help you figure out what's going on with your skin and what you can do. If you live in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area, I can help you in person. Um, But yeah, I mean, so to mention what I do, I'm a licensed esthetician. I'm a licensed massage therapist. I'm a nationally um, certified continuing education provider for massage therapists specialized. My entire business is specialized on pregnancy and postpartum and infertility. Like you mentioned, the last thing is I'm also a coach. I specifically an infertility coach for women going through infertility or who have gone through infertility and are now pregnant or postpartum. I, I cover it all mind, body, spirit. That's, that's what I do in a nutshell.
1: Well, I am so thankful for our conversation and I'm sure it's a great one for everybody that listens. So thank you again so much for sharing all your expertise with me and our listeners. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: Thank you for listening to the Aesthetic Doctor Podcast with Dr. Judith Forger. We'd love to connect with you outside of the show. Follow Dr. Borger on Instagram at Dr. Borger and find more online and
1: ways to work with Dr. Borger at www.theaestheticdoctor.com. Until next time, be well.